today we're with Janine Preston of Life is a Beach and I guess life is a beach when you're traveling through Africa. I don't know how many beaches you're going to see with Africa Rally, but I've got Paul Clayton of Africa Rally, the organizer um, of this awesome rally, which goes from South Africa, and I'm, uh, I see it's from Johannesburg, and it goes all the way up to Kenya uh, using normal roads. And, you know, you can. it looks like you can even use a motorbike. So, Paul, welcome. Thank you. Um, good to be here. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the rally. Where did it start? Mm. What's it about? Mm -hmm. um, a few years ago, there was an 80-year-old lady who went from Cape Town to Egypt in mm -hmm. her little, um, I think it was a Toyota Corolla. Mm -hmm. And she was such a lovely lady. She's mm -hmm. since passed away. Oh. And I'm sure she would have done the rally with you. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Indeed. So tell me a little bit about the start and where mm -hmm. the idea came from. Well, I mean, the, the idea for, for this type of thing has kind of always been there. I mean, I've been doing uh, charity rallies in different areas of the world for around about 12 years now usually with a tagline, you know, ridiculous vehicles in ridiculous places. <laughs> and I've driven this route personally myself, not as part of a rally, but um, just simply on my back, uh, my own back uh, up through Africa. And it's my favorite route, if I'm honest. Um, so the idea of this was wanting to share my love of Africa with as many people as possible, wanting to raise some money for a good cause while we did it, and to have a bit of a, a charity road trip with a, a party atmosphere for it. So tell me, when you leave Johannesburg mm. and you're in a vehicle, because yes. I see you've got motorbike, car, um, random. random Absolutely, was one yeah. Of we, we, wanted, <laughs> we wanted to open up so any vehicle could enter. And in the random category, we actually have a couple of guys uh, down from Durban sort of area doing it in an ice cream van. Um, oh so that, that counts as random, definitely. So that's a really random, not a rainbow or anything No, although, although there are some Brits that are thinking of doing it in a tuk-tuk. Now that really would, that really would be something if they made it. I wonder, um, I was going to say, I wonder how long it would take them. Um, yeah, and they, they would have to carry a fair few uh, jerry cans, I think, as well. I think so too. Um, to get through bots, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so when mm. you start off in Johannesburg, yeah. where do we go from here? Yeah, so we start at a lodge, uh, Sparrowhawk Lodge, just outside Harties. Um, and then from there, we suggest teams head into Botswana. Um, we've got various hospitality partners on board uh, along the suggested route um, so that they get discounted accommodation and they have a sort of friendly face that can offer them help with any of the mechanics and different things. Um, from Bots up the east side, Nata up to Kasane, and then cross into uh, Zambia. Um, maybe spend a few days at Victoria Falls. I know it's on quite a few people's overlanding uh, sort of tick box list, if you like. Um, into Malawi, uh, one of my favourite countries in the world, certainly. Um, fantastic. So Malawi is just beautiful. Oh, yes. So hopefully we scoot along uh, Malawi. Yes, Malawi. absolutely. Absolutely. Some fantastic driving roads there as well. There's a mountain pass from the long way uh, down to Monkey Bay, um, which personally I think is a lot better than Transfiguration Highway or the, the Bolivian Campo del Muerta or any of the other sort of famous, if you like, uh, driving roads around the world. Um, so yeah, up the west side of Lake Malawi uh, into Tanzania, and then teams have a couple of different options. So they can either skirt around Lake Tanganyika, and they can head out towards Dar es Salaam and Zanzibar, or they can go straight through the middle, through the Norogongo, through the Serengeti, past Kilimanjaro potentially, before all entering Kenya and finishing just to the west of Kazumu uh, on Lake Victoria. So now does everybody travel together? Or is there a kind of take your own route and take your own time? It's kind of take your own route, not necessarily take your own time. Between the start line party on the 1st of July and the finish line party on the 22nd, there's three weeks. Now, that's designed intentionally so that people shouldn't have to drive every day. You know, you can spend a couple of days relaxing on Lake Malawi, you can spend 
you know, a couple of days at the falls or, or something like this. Um, but we are trying to encourage people to make it for the 22nd because they'll be there for the party in that case. Don't all have to drive together. They can choose their own routes, partially to the um, experience level of the drivers and to the capability of the vehicles, of course. Um, but um, what we tend to find is most vehicles of a similar category tend to bunch together and drive in convoy. And now when you're coming back, do you come back the same way? Because obviously once mm, you leave, yeah. you've got to come back. <laughs> in most cases, we have a lot of international teams that are actually shipping their vehicles out of Mombasa. Um, we've got one or two that are actually donating theirs to a, a charity in Kenya as well. And these are the sort of people who have spent, you know, maybe only a couple of thousand rand on their vehicle. So by the time it gets to the finish line, if it gets to the finish line, um, they're not expecting much to be left of it. Um, but obviously, yeah, like you said, the, the people that are in um, maybe more kitted out vehicles, the sort of four by four dedicated overlanders, um, a few of them are, are driving back down the route. Um, we don't have an organized structure for that. We are quite simply first to the 22nd on the way up. Uh, but we do partner with a company called Global Fixers. Um, so if they want everything taken care of them, if they want to be able to just leave their vehicle in, in, in Nairobi, fly back and have it shipped, delivered to their house back in South Africa or, or wherever else in the world for that matter, um, they can contact this company that are a partner of ours uh, and they'll do all of that for them. And in, along the way, I'm assuming mm. you have um, mechanics that can fix a vehicle or do you have points of mechanic? Well, yes and no. So we, we've got a, a WhatsApp group that we set up for teams that have entered and we have a 24-7 emergency telephone number if someone is properly stuck. But, you know, if you get a phone call and someone says, oh, help, I've got a flat tire. Oh, no, I, the, the, I, there's not really going to be much, no. uh, much sympathy <laughs> on our end. Um, and, you know, I've driven this route a couple of times myself. We've never struggled to find, you know, decent mechanics, even just to sort of bodge the vehicle to get us to the next stage. The hospitality partners, the different lodges that we work with, they will also have in-house mechanics. Um, but we, we kind of want people to support local businesses and find mechanics as they go. As they go along. Yeah, absolutely. So it, what is the history of the, of, of the rally in terms of you wanted to do something yourself? Mm -hmm. So you've driven it yourself. Have yes. you got stuck along the way yourself? Oh, absolutely. Um, multiple <laughs> times in, in various different ways. Um, in the four Cortina, um, the issue was always the distributor. Um, rattling itself to death and then just deciding to, to conk out altogether. Um, then it was the alternator which we had to completely replace but um, that's actually a good example of, uh, uh, of, of random mechanics. Um, the first person that we spoke to uh, had a very good friend of his who was a mechanic turned up and without us even telling him we needed an alternator he had one already in the van. Oh my goodness. So coincidence just provided. Uh, more recently um, we've been out in Botswana bringing on board partners in our mobile HQ. Uh, which is a 1976 VW Combi camper van that um, someone, not mentioning any names, has dropped an old Ford Cortina 3-litre V6 in. Um, so it breaks a lot, as you might imagine. I can just imagine. Um, and last time was uh, completely um, dropping the CV joint uh, off the back, which isn't necessarily a big fix if you've got you know, the, the full workshop as we have behind us. Um, but out in the middle of nowhere, it took a little bit of um, engineering and a few hopes and prayers to make it to the next village. And what about the paperwork? Because mm. there's obviously got to be a fair amount of, if you have this passport, you need mm. that visa. Mm. And do you supply information mm. about all that paperwork so that people are prepared and they don't get to mm. a point where somebody says, well, actually, you're not allowed in here because you've got the wrong passport? Mm -hmm. um, so we actually go one better. Um, we outsource this to a very good friend of mine, Julia, who owns a company called Smart Visas. Um, so I've used her personally since 2010. 
um, and uh, I wouldn't really trust anyone else with doing our paperwork. So when I was initially chatting to her, it was about would you manage our staff crew, our staff vehicles, and then slowly that sort of sort of molded into well, if you're doing it for us, why not make it easier for everyone? Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, Smartvisas.co.uk. Uh, we've got a specific page on on her site, and she manages all of that for us. And she takes care of obviously your passport visas, what country you yep. need which visa for, mm -hmm. and then obviously a flight back if you need a, a flight back. Or does that also another partner? Uh, no, so the, the flights we, we ask people to organise themselves uh, simply because there's no margin in the airline yeah. industry anymore. Yeah. So the cheapest way they're going to find it is by calling up BA or um, Emirates or Virgin or other airlines are available and, uh, and, and booking that sort of thing directly. But so regardless, what type of car do you recommend? So now we go ah, bike, yes. now we go car, now we go random, <laughs> now we go 4x4. Four four. Mm, mm -hmm. um, so it's an interesting question because I love my old cars. So I would always want to do it in something that's really easy to fix by the side of the road. Um, something that is iconic enough that it makes people smile as you're driving along. Uh, brings back a few memories. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love the Cortina, because everyone's parents had one. Or from my generation, Absolutely, everyone's parents yeah. had one. Um, so they immediately identify with the car and they, they want to know what on earth you're doing in the middle of um, Zambia in a South African-plated Cortina with a British accent, you know? It's a conversation starter. And they're easy enough to fix. 13 mil spanner and you're pretty much golden. So I would recommend classic cars, classic, older cars. Absolutely. Mm. Classic bikes or something that just works? Um, bikes are a little bit different because even newer bikes um, are fairly easy to maintain. Um, I probably wouldn't suggest doing it on like a 1200GS or something just because it's a bit unnecessary. It's overkill for, for really what we're looking what to achieve. Doing. Yeah. yeah? Um, but again, you probably wouldn't want to do the entire route on a little 125 because you'll be chugging along for, for quite a way. Um, sort of mid-range adventure bikes, Triumph Tiger or something like that, I think will probably do the job. And what type of costing are you looking at? Because are you mm. just looking at lodges to stay over or mm. can somebody take a camping kit along? Mm. Um, do you have different pricing? Mm. So this is why we, we don't prescribe a, a, an absolute set route. Like I said, there's a suggestion of the route that I mentioned, um, but we want people to be able to stay in places that match their budget and their view of what they want to experience. So the hospitality partners we work with all provide lodge accommodation and camping. Okay. Um, along the way, people are going to want to stay in different places. Um, they can choose where they want to camp. They can choose if they want to go five star, if they want to go while camping. Um, we leave it entirely up to the, the end teams. And do they book this before they go? Because if you're in an mm. old car, you don't really know what mm. distances you're going to travel day by mm. day. Yeah. You know that you have three weeks to make this route, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you don't know what date you're going to get there. No, of course. So do they <laughs> account for the fact that you don't know what date you're going to arrive? Mm -hmm. So for our hospitality partners, we've chosen places that already have quite large capacity, um, and we've sort of alerted to them, to them that the fact is people may not be booking ahead, they may just be turning up. We've got the big Africa Rally logos on all of the cars, so it'll be easy enough to spot, and they've all been quite accommodating with this. Um, I don't tend to book ahead, um, unless it's required for a visa, such as the case in Kenya. Um, but for that one, people kind of know they're going to be staying um, you know, at the uh, finish line lodge on the 22nd, hopefully, anyway. Totally. Um, so that's a little bit uh, easier to put. And do you have a map that says, here's a petrol station, and, you know, they call it a gas station, <laughs> petrol stop, 
But these are the recommended petrol stops along the way mm. because there's a big gap between this petrol mm. station. Like when we're traveling mm. in South Africa, mm. we know that the distance between Colesburg mm. and, and Beaufort West is yeah. a six-hour trip. So we kind of know where the petrol stations are. Mm. So if you go through Colesburg and you've got half a tank, you're likely mm. to make uh, a stop along the way. Mm. Mm. But if you're traveling to Kenya, you don't mm. really know where the next petrol station is. Yeah, no, particularly because a lot of these students will be doing that route for the first time. Um, I mean, I've learned the hard way. Um, the first time I drove that route, I didn't bring any jerry cans. I didn't bring any sort of uh, backup fuel. I brought a hose um, with the hope of being able to siphon fuel from anyone that was kind enough uh, to, to, to offer, uh, which worked because then uh, there wasn't a fuel station between Nata and Kasane pretty much in, in Botswana. And that's a good, what, three, 400, 500 Ks. Um, they built one in Pasamantenga now, so it's not quite as, uh, as difficult. Um, but even in the VW, constantly running out of fuel. We just have jerry cans now. People so are generally people take nice. some jerry cans along yeah. with them and they need to just make sure that they've got them as they're yeah. traveling. Yeah, so, because with a jerry can, at least if you do run out and you run out in the jerry, <laughs> you've got something that you can physically hitch a lift to the next station to. Station to bring back. Absolutely. And if you have food requirements, mm -hmm. I know my husband's really fussy about food. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're halal or you're mm -hmm. kosher or one of those, mm -hmm. is there something that you point out along the way? Or do people find out that about them themselves? Or how do they, like vegetarians, may want to yeah. you know, eat vegetarian or... Mm. Kosher means mm. kosher. How do you mm. um, do you tell people about those things along the way? Well, uh, for the start and finish line, we provide free drinks <laughs> and free food. Um, so we've got a bit of a form that we send out to every team saying, you know, if you have any dietary requirements, Good, yeah. if you have anything you need to send us. Um, personally, I'm type 1 diabetic, so always very aware of what I'm eating, what the sugar content is of things and sort of, uh, planning ahead. Um, so we're very much on top of that for the start and finish line. Um, but in terms of actually on the road, it's a little bit of hit and miss. So we'd advise if there are particular dietary requirements, at least have one or two backup meals in the cool box in the in the vehicle with you. Okay, that's cool. And medical wise, do you have medical stops mm. or are there hospitals marked along the way? Mm. In case of things like malaria, do you mm. recommend malaria tablets? Mm. Is there a recommended list? Mm -hmm. So we would recommend every team takes at least a minimal first aid kit with them. Um, we also have a specific travel insurance company that we've partnered with that would insure teams just for this event. So that covers medical insurance as well, just so they know they've got peace of mind that if anything does happen, they will definitely be covered. Um, we've got a 24 seven um, emergency telephone number, if you like. Okay. Um, so if anyone does need to hit SOS, we've mapped out all of the major uh, hospitals. We've mapped out all of the places where we can get medical assistance to them. Um, we have that knowledge at HQ. We provide a bit of a like a team handbook, if you like, okay. which also gives them an idea ahead of time. And is there a briefing before the party? Um, so we'll give a, a a bit of a sort of briefing, a bit of a hello, a bit of a welcome, and everything uh, at the start line. Um, but uh, the the handbook will go out a couple of months beforehand. Oh, beforehand. Because if we're just telling people at the start line, <laughs> I might go through, oh, hang on, I should have prepared for this uh, sort of moments. Um, at the finish line as well, we'll be giving something out called the Pathfinder Awards. Um, so this is where we honor teams um, for the most money that they've raised for a charity of their okay. choice, um, where we honor them for, oh, I don't know, the most um, ridiculously dressed or best dressed team to cross the finish line, including the vehicle. Um, or we've got something called the Golden Pineapple Award, which is effectively our wooden spoon. Um, you know, it's for teams that some how have managed to get four punctures at the same time. Oh my word. Or um, 
have, have somehow, you know, had a hell of an adventure, which is what it's all about. But it's the sort of, instead of giving a wooden spoon, we'll give them a golden pineapple. That's awesome. Mm. And then you obviously encourage people to tell their story and you put it on yes. your website afterwards because that's the annual, that's why we do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, this is the first one um, since the pandemic. So it's, it's fresh again. It's full of people that are mad and wanting to get back out into the world. But absolutely, we are running, we are looking to run it every July. Um, and how many people have you had in the past that enter every year? Um, so we actually cap the rally at 50 teams. Okay. Um, number of reasons, um, partly the capacity uh, of the venues that we hold start and finish line yeah. and, and whatnot. Um, also because keeping track of 50 teams, which is what about 120 or so people as they're scattered across Africa is, is just about right. Um, and it also keeps that sort of community uh, with, with, with people when Do they're Do you find driving. the border controls are quite simple? Because sometimes when we go into, for instance, Mozambique, there's mm. always border control issues. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of bribery going on. Mm. You know, it's kind of trying to wind your way through the currency, mm. um, having the right currency, having the right phone. Because yes. often you can't get on WhatsApp unless you're in a Wi-Fi zone. Yep. And if yeah, you're yep. in the middle of the forest and you don't have that country, like let's say mm. Botswana, you, have, you don't have orange, mm -hmm. how do you communicate to say, I've got a medical emergency? Mm -hmm. Or we've got an issue when Correct. getting into that country, yeah. Um, so the visa crossings for the suggested route are relatively straightforward. Um, they're not they're not as difficult as they used to be because all of the countries now offer e-visas rather than having to queue or get Correct, physical yeah. visas for a lot of the uh, foreign nationality passports. Um, secondly, they've finished building a bridge uh, across from Botswana into Zambia, right. uh, which I'll be crossing for the first time in a couple of weeks as we're taking the staff vehicle up there. Um, so looking forward to not having to sort of crawl onto that tiny little ferry and, and wait and while... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've heard that vastly uh, improves the, the sort of border crossing experience there. Um, also, we tend to find, because we've got the Africa Rally stickers on the side of the vehicles, um, and people are aware that we're, you know, we're, we're a charity organization, we're raising money for um, international charities, yes, but also local charities as well. Um, they tend not to give teams too much hassle because they know they're doing a good thing. Absolutely. Mm. So in terms of phone coverage, mm -hmm. is there a, a sort of blanket African, like Vodafone, do they cover mm -hmm. The whole Africa route, so if you get a, a, a SIM card from Vodafone, you cover mm -hmm. pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. Or is there, I think MTN is pretty much MTN is very good for, for this route, yeah. but it depends on the particular um, contract that you have with them. Um, so I got stuck this way. So I've been with MTN in South Africa, um, but uh, my particular plan didn't cover me for international roaming. So I had to go back to my UK number when I was in Botswana. So the only thing I would say is check ahead. And uh, plans do exist. Um, you can also get a new SIM card as you go into each country. Say, They're know, not expensive. The, the best thing to do is to get a pay-as-you-go. Yeah. Because pay-as-you-go is really cheap. You can yeah. just top it up with data. You don't mm. need phone mm -hmm. time because nobody you've got a phone in the country you don't know anybody <laughs> that's, anyway. That's true. <laughs> so get a pay-as-you-go uh, mm. SIM card. Mm. Just put on 10 Pula or 10 mm. But dollars, I would imagine, is the, most easy, the, the easiest currency to carry in Africa. Yeah, everybody deals with dollars, so it's probably best to carry dollars when you're traveling. Mm -hmm. Not not heaps of it, but no, no, and small know, denomination notes. Small, long, small so, denomination. Yeah. So if there's somebody you have to something you have to buy along the way, mm -hmm. or somewhere that a mechanic who doesn't take card, yes. which in Africa is very very likely, mm -hmm. um, you have dollars on you that you can mm -hmm. pay somebody. Because mm -hmm. it's unlikely you're going to keep changing currency mm -hmm. as you go along, because each country has its own currency. Of course, but they yes. all use dollars. Yes, the majority um, dollars do go down well. In the sort of first section of the route as well, Rand also works. 
Um, we've never really had too much of an issue with that being accepted. And also, um, on the mechanic side of things, or people that are sort of helping out, um, things like, you know, decent pair of sunglasses, obviously Africa <laughs> Rally branded from the website. Um, but these go down really well. Um, sort of actual gifts of nice little things, you know. That's actually a good idea. So mm. you can just keep a box of... I remember when um, Julia went up from Cape Town to mm. Cairo, mm -hmm. she carried a box of suckers and sweeties yes. in her car. Aye. So when she ran out, she'd just go to the local trade store mm -hmm. and buy another box. And she would give those out as she went along. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and she became quite an iconic little car. Because she went from here to uh, Egypt and then on to England. Okay. And um, she actually went to meet the Queen for her birthday. Oh, fantastic. And the Queen turned her down. Oh, okay. And, uh, or the Queen's secretary or the secretary or the secretary. Aye, there'll be a life. lot of, uh, yes. yeah. But she said Camilla did write to her oh. and say so she was coming out to South Africa and mm. she would love to have lunch with her. Oh, fantastic. So she was looking really forward to that, looking yeah. forward to doing another trip and she passed away. Oh, so it was really sad. But she was a lovely, lovely, it was called My African uh, Journey, mm. My African, uh, I oh. forget the name, but it was a lovely book and she wrote oh. the book and... My African Conquest, because okay. she had a little Toyota Conquest. I was going to ask what uh, what it was. was. It was a, and it was a 1980 Conquest. It wasn't oh. anything new. Because Derek Watts of um, Card Blanche interviewed her. Mm. I picked mm -hmm. up on the interview and I interviewed her during COVID and she wasn't well. Ah. But we had such a lovely conversation. It yes. was so nice. And I said to her, we meet her when I come to Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And uh, her daughter phoned me and said, I just want to let you know that mm. my mom passed away. But just a lovely interview. I can't remember mm -hmm. having a nicer interview with somebody who had travelled across Africa. And she was determined to go back. despite. And, but it looked like a lot of her children, yeah. her grandchildren, had done bits of the journey with her. Yeah. So they would kind of fly to uh, Zimbabwe or they'd mm -hmm. fly mm -hmm. to Uganda and they'd get travel in the car for a couple travel of weeks with her for another and then get off and somebody mm -hmm. else would come and drive with her. And she had a lovely trip. That's a really, really good shout cool. as well. Yeah. You're mixing up the sort of and then people in the vehicle. So well. and, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Eight years old. That's she fantastic. wanted to celebrate your 80th birthday with the Queen. That's amazing. And then the Queen still disses her. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so let me know um, what is the contact details, mm -hmm. who do people, how do they apply, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the story? So most of the information can be found from our website, which is www.africarally.com. Um, so nice and easy to find, hopefully. Very easy. Um, that'll give you information on pricing, on the different entry categories, a bit of an idea of the vibe of what we've done in the past and um, the sorts of vehicles that you can uh, drive the through Africa. The ones are my favourite. Absolutely. You don't need a 4x4 <laughs> to see Africa. It is, uh, it is very true. Um, you can also email us directly. Uh, the address is info at africarally.com. Um, that's for any specific queries or if you can't find what you're looking for on our website, do just reach out directly and we'll we'll get straight back to you. That's pretty cool. Mm. Paul Clayton, uh, organiser of Africa Rally. Mm. I'm Janine Preston of Life is a Beach. Thank you. There you go.